Well, good morning and welcome to the Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison. A very happy day to you. Reporting live from Tracy, California today, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have an exciting show for you today as we're going to dive in after we covered a number of the multi-billionaires. Uh, we got to number 133 on the last show. And clearly, we could dive into the next 100. But I think we're going to pause and return to that list. But today, I'd like to cover the subject of money laundering. I think it's very fascinating that they have a documented almost $2 trillion globally uh, that is caught in money laundering. And I think that we need to dive into that in our auditing of the global capital markets. Clearly, we know that there are thousands of trillions of dollars being circulated across the globe, but it's very fascinating to know that over $2 trillion of those dollars are being laundered. So let's dive right in and have a chance to understand what money laundering is, uh, the concept of money laundering and how it works. I think that that would sort of kick us off well. And again, I'm Allison Johnson and you can reach me across social media and of course, all of the outlets of Instagram, Facebook, anywhere across LinkedIn and Pinterest, as well as Twitter, Snapchat, and TikTok. So feel free to find me under Alice Johnson. And let's get the conversation going, as it's very important to continue the dialogue off the normal weekly discussion. As we know, money laundering is a costly crime for countless people and governments. But just how much does it cost and where is it most costly? So here are some insights that research recovered from Zipia uh, and their statistics. Money laundering in the U.S. makes up 15 to 38% of the money laundered globally. And worldwide, there is an estimated almost $2 trillion laundered every year. And that's very important to understand because oftentimes we understand the local statistics, but I think it's important to understand the global. If the movie Breaking Bad taught us anything, it is that money laundering is a serious business. Despite being highly illegal in the USA, money laundering remains a huge issue. In fact, there is tons of money laundering occurring in the USA and across the globe. According to the extensive research of this website, Zipia, Z-I-P-P-I-A.com, Approximately 300 billion is laundered through the USA each year, up to 2 trillion. Worldwide, criminals launder between 800 million 
and $2 trillion each year. In 2020 alone, global banks were hit with $10.4 billion in fines for money laundering violations. Capital One was the largest Amer American bank fined ordered to pay out $390 million for failing to report countless transactions. Money laundering schemes cost 2 to 5% of the world's total GDP. So that just shows you if we look at that total GDP across the world, it can range from the over $720 trillion that we look at circulating across the globe every year. General money laundering statistics show us that money laundering in the USA, as we said, makes up 38% of the money laundered globally. And we saw that worldwide, there are between 800 billion and 2 trillion laundered annually. The USA makes up at least $300 billion of that figure, meaning that the USA is responsible for 15 to 30% of the money laundered annually. That's just the US. Despite 91.1% of money laundering offenders being imprisoned, 90% of money laundering crimes go undetected. So if they catch you, 91.1% of them go to jail, but 90% of the crimes aren't detected. While a 91.1% imprisonment rating is high, it neglects to address the fact there are very few cases of money laundering crimes. In fact, in 2019, there were only 990 cases as the vast majority of money laundering crimes go undetected. Richmond, Virginia is ranked number one for white collar crimes. At 7,504 crimes per 10,000 people. That's a lot. This is extremely high, especially when considering the fact that the second highest is Miami and it only has 4,237 white-collar crimes per every 10,000 people. Additionally, the worst city for identity theft is Columbus, Ohio, with 368 crimes per 10,000 people. Unbelievable. Highest number of white-collar crimes per 10,000 people. Oof, that's just too high, Richmond. 7,500, Miami, 4,200, Atlanta, 3,000, Columbus, Ohio, almost 2,800, Riverside, California, 2,600, San Francisco, almost 2,500, Orlando, Florida, almost 2,500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 2,000, Denver, Colorado, 1,782, Tampa, Florida, over 1,500. Cincinnati, Ohio, over 1,500. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
over 1,300, Minneapolis, Minnesota, over 1,200, San Jose, California, over 1,100, Las Vegas, Nevada, over 1,000, Boston, over 1,000, Dallas, Texas, over 966, St. Louis, Missouri, over 900, Detroit, Michigan, almost 900, Sacramento, California, almost 900, Baltimore, Maryland, 760. But in Los Angeles, only 758. That's interesting. Seattle, Washington, 707. Cleveland, Ohio, 686. And Houston, Texas, at over 600. The country with the highest money laundering risk, or AML risk, is Afghanistan. Oh, wow. Afghanistan is the highest money laundering risk with an AML score of 8.16. The second and third place on the list belongs to Haiti and Myanmar. Haiti has 8.15 score and Myanmar has 7.86 score respectively. Here is more information about money laundering statistics by country. Very high risk in the Democratic Republic of Congo, 8.3. Haiti, we saw 8.16. Myanmar, also quite high at 7.86. But Mozambique, right behind them, 7.68. Madagascar, 7.59. Guinea-Bissau, 7.53. Cambodia, 7.36. Mali, 7.28. Senegal, 7.05. Vietnam, 7.04. Countries with the highest AML risk also are in Europe. So, but they're much lower, but still. Finland, 2.88. Andorra, 2.89. Sweden, 3.12. Iceland, 3.31. New Zealand, 3.32. San Marino, that little tiny country near Italy, at 3.34. Slovenia, 3.37. Lithuania, 3.43. Norway, 3.5. And look at France, 3.52. The average prison sentence for money laundering and money launderers is only 67 months. The minimum jail sentence for money laundering is one year, and the minimum fine is $1,000. However, felony money laundering has come up with a hefty minimum fine of $250,000. So a little bit more of a deterrent, right? Crypto versus fiat currency money laundering statistics. With the rise of digital currency, today's money laundering isn't limited to U.S. dollars or other fiat currencies. However, money laundering through cryptocurrency is surprisingly difficult. Despite a rise in cyber crimes in 2020, criminal activity that used cryptocurrency fell by over half between 2019 to 2020. In 2019, the proportion of cyber crimes that made use of cryptocurrency was 2.1%. However, despite the pandemic, this number fell to only 0.34% in 2020. Over 99% of cryptocurrency transactions run through AML, regulated exchange exchanges. 
covers anything from Bitcoin, Ethereum, Stellar, Binance Coin, and more. Interesting. So, a very small percentage of money laundering in the U.S. that's using Bitcoin, only 0.9%, about $2.8 billion, whereas fiat currencies are 99.1%, and that, that can go above $300 billion of money being laundered in this USA context. So with Bitcoin money laundering only making up 0.9% of money laundering in the USA and only 0.3% globally, the amount of Bitcoin that was criminally exchanged in 2019 was $2.8 billion. While this might seem a lot, it pales in comparison to the potentially trillions of dollars laundered annually around the globe. As of 2021, the IRS has seized $1.2 billion worth of cryptocurrency. The amount of cryptocurrency seized, seized from cybercrimes has grown exponentially over the past three years. From 2019 to 2020, the amount seized increased from 700,000 to 137 million, while from 2020 to 2021, that number increased yet again from 137 million to 1.2 billion. Money laundering over time is uh, very interesting as well. It's clear that the numbers associated with money laundering aren't going to dec decrease anytime soon. In fact, money laundering has only seemed to increase since the start of the pandemic. Here are the facts. Despite a decrease in pre-pandemic offenses, 2020 saw money laundering fines five times larger than 2019. From 2018 to 2019, money laundering crimes actually decreased by 13%. There, are on, there were only 990 cases. However, in the past two years, there's been a dramatic increase in total fines. The anti-money laundering software market is expected to experience the overall CAGR, or compounded growth rate, of 14% annually between 2021 and 2025. Well, the anti-money laundering software market had a value of $879 million in 2017. The num that number has grown in the last couple of years. By 2025, the market is expected to reach a value of $2.09 billion. Financial crime compliance costs have risen by 95% since 2019. Rather shockingly, Financial crime compliance costs for institutions with at least $10 billion in assets are projected to reach $27.8 million in 2021. That number is 36% higher than the annual average in 2020 and 95% higher than the annual average in 2019. Bottom money laundering issues and causes. It's clear that money laundering is a major issue in the USA and globally. But why is this? the case. The truth is that in global, uh, in a global market, it can be extremely difficult to detect and catch those who commit crimes. Here's what we found. 41% of financial institutions are inadequate or severely inadequate to meet AML or the money laundering, uh, anti-money laundering and sanctions compliance. 
And this is incredibly surprising. Yeah, right, we can see that. Given the increasing costs, 67% of respondents reported their, that their spending on anti-money laundering and sanctions compliance has increased in the past years. Anti-money laundering attempts only recover a mere 0.1% of criminal funds. While there are fines issued in money laundering crimes, the original money laundered is rarely ever recovered. With that in mind, most of those who launder money are free to find ways to use their stolen money. So look at some of the basics about money laundering. Money laundering is the process of allocating large amounts of money made through criminal activity into areas that appear to come from legal revenue. For example, someone who makes several thousand dollars selling drugs could make it appear as though that money came from their legitimate restaurant business. In the USA, we know that roughly 300 billion is laundered each year. However, that number increases to between 800 billion and 2 trillion worldwide. And I think that's being conservative because between two and 5% of the world's total GDP is lost to money laundering each year. While London has consistently been one of the worst international cities for money laundering, as of 2019, British Columbia has become the money laundering capital. And Canada, look at that. In 2019 alone, an estimated $5 billion in dirty international money was laundered there in British Columbia. While the number of people affected by money laundering is hard to know, there are nearly 1,000 cases reported in the USA each year. As far as the amount of money lost, the numbers are much higher. Despite only 990 cases in 2019, the roughly 300 billion that they think is laundered to the USA each year brings that money laundering globally, um, you know, to 15 to 38% is in the USA, you know, wrapping up uh, in a small number of cases, right? So overall, it's hard to determine how many people are indirectly affected by these crimes as the amount of money being lost is very staggering. The most common form of money laundering is known as smurfing or structuring. This method involves breaking up large amounts of cash into smaller little deposits. Further, money launderers will also spread these deposits over many different accounts to avoid detection. Other forms of money laundering include buying and selling commodities, investing in unrelated assets like real estate or other businesses, gambling, and counterfeiting. So we know, resulting in the loss of 300 billion in the USA alone, up to 800 billion in the USA, and up to 2 trillion worldwide or more, money laundering is a global issue that continues to go unchecked. In fact, 90% of all money laundering crimes fly completely under the radar. All digital currencies like Bitcoin stand to change the ballgame 
The fact is that a majority of money laundering crimes still occur using fiat currencies. Cybercrime in this realm makes up less than 1% of the world's estimated average. Clearly, the USA needs to address this issue more thoroughly, seeing as 15 to 38% of the money laundered globally comes from this country of the USA. While anti-money laundering and sanctions compliance makes money laundering more difficult, the fact is that 41% of financial institutions are unable to meet increasing cost expectations. In the end, this could do more harm than good. So very important overall understanding about money laundering. And I think we need to really look at some horrible examples as well, because we don't understand that it's happening all around us. And that, you know, one of the most commonly used and simply, you know, straightforward methods of washing this money is by funneling it through a restaurant or a business where there are a lot of people coming in and out and nobody's going to detect the money. So money laundering is that process, right? That criminals are using in an attempt to hide the illegal source of their income by passing money through complex transfers and transactions or through a series of businesses. That way the money is quote unquote cleaned of its illegitimate origin and made to appear as legitimate business profits when it's all stolen money. So money laundering is the illegal process of converting money earned from illegal activities into clean money. That is money that can be freely used in legitimate business operations and does not have to be concealed from the authorities. Money laundering operations deal with trillions and trillions of dollars worldwide each year. Therefore, money laundering activities exert a substantial impact on major national economies. Some banks have been complicit in aiding money laundering operations. A major business problem of large organized criminal enterprises, such as drug smuggling operations, is that they end up with huge amounts of cash that they need to conceal in order to avoid attracting investigations by legal authorities. The recipients of such large amounts of cash also do not want to have to acknowledge it as income, thereby incurring massive income tax liabilities. To deal with the problem of having millions of dollars in cash obtained from illegal activities, Criminal enterprises create ways of laundering the money to obscure the illegal nature of how it is obtained. In short, money laundering aims to disguise money made illegally by working it into a legitimate financial system, such as a bank or a business. So how the money laundering works, just to break it down. Money laundering typically occurs in three phases. Number one, initial entry or placement is the initial movement of an amount of money earned from criminal activity into some legitimate financial network or institution. 
Second is layering. Layering is the continuing transfer of the money through multiple transactions, forms, investments, or enterprises to make it virtually impossible to trace the money back to its illegal origin. Finally, the third step is final integration, and that's when the money is freely used illegally without the necessity to conceal it any further. One of the most commonly used and simpler methods of, quote, washing, unquote, money is by funneling it through a restaurant or other business where there are a lot of cash transactions. In fact, the origin of the term money laundering comes from the infamous gangster Al Capone's practice of using a chain of laundromats he owned to launder huge amounts of cash. The money laundering process usually goes something like the following. An example, initial placement. A criminal or criminal organization owns a legitimate restaurant business. Money obtained from illegal activities is gradually deposited into a bank through the restaurant. The restaurant reports daily cash sales much higher than what it actually takes in. Say, for example, that the restaurant takes in $2,000 in cash in one day. An additional $2,000, which is money coming from illegal activities, will be added to that amount, and the restaurant will falsely report that it took in $4,000 in cash sales for the day. The money has now been deposited in the restaurant's legitimate bank account and appears as an ordinary deposit of restaurant business proceeds. Two, the layering of the money. To deal with tax issues, that is to avoid having the restaurant incur too large a tax bill, as a result of recording more revenue than it generates, and to further disguise the criminal source of the extra deposited funds. The restaurant may invest the money in another legitimate business, such as real estate. Things are further obscured from the authorities by using shell companies or holding companies that control several business enterprises that the laundered money may be funneled through. The layering quote unquote, often involves passing the money through multiple transactions, accounts, and companies. It may pass through a casino to be disguised as gambling winnings, go through one or more foreign currency exchanges, be invested in the financial markets, and ultimately be transferred to accounts in offshore tax havens where banking transactions are subject to much less scrutiny and regulation through the money laundering process. The multiple pass-throughs from one account or one enterprise to another make it increasingly difficult for the money to be traced and tied back to its original illegal source. Final integration is in the final phase of money laundering. Integration, the money is placed into legitimate business or personal investments. It may be used to purchase high-end luxury goods such as jewelry or automobiles. It may even be used to create yet another business entity through which future amounts of illegal cash will be laundered. At this stage, the money has ideally been sufficiently laundered so that the criminal or criminal enterprise can use it freely without resorting to any criminal tactics. The money is typically then either legitimately invested or exchanged for expensive assets such as property. And here comes the involvement of banks. 
in money laundering. Major financial institutions such as banks are frequently used for money laundering. All that is necessary for the bank to be a little lax in its reporting procedures. The lack of regulation enforcement enables criminals to deposit large sums of cash without triggering the deposits being reported to central bank authorities or government regulatory agencies. In the recent past, prestigious financial institutions such as Danske Bank and HSBC have been found guilty of assisting or enabling money laundering by failing to properly report large deposits of cash. HSBC was found to have facilitated the laundering of almost $1 billion. In 2012, Dunks Bank branches were also accused of having taken in a whopping $200 billion in Russian mob money from 2007 to 2015. Just horrible. Washing money through investments. That's why I'm thinking it's more than $2 trillion. The financial markets offer criminals a variety of avenues for converting dirty money to clean money. One of the most basic and widely used schemes is to utilize a foreign investor to get illegally obtained cash into the legitimate financial system. For example, assume that a criminal organization has a million dollars in cash that it needs to launder. An investor in a foreign country is contacted and the criminal organization makes a deal with them. Using an investor from another country is just another way to help obscure the origin of the money. The criminals give their million dollars in cash to the investor. After taking a portion of the money as his fee for services, the foreign investor invests the rest of the money into a legitimate domestic business owned by the criminal organization, which is often a shell company. Shell companies are businesses that have large amounts of financing, but are not directly involved in any specific business enterprise selling goods or services. The finances are used to invest in other businesses, typically other legitimate businesses owned by the criminal organization. The influx of cash from the foreign investor appears as an ordinary foreign investment, as the criminals are careful to avoid exposure to the fact that they have any connection with the foreign investor. Once the money has been deposited with the shell company, the criminals can access it by having the shell company invest in another business the criminals own, perhaps by making a loan of the money to the other company. That company can then, after passing the cash back to the criminals, default on the loan, creating a loss for the shell company that can be used to reduce taxes owed. Having defaulted on its loan, the receiving company may declare bankruptcy and go out of business. The loan default may also cause the shell company to fold up. The criminals now have their cash received from an apparently, quote, clean, unquote, source, the foreign investor. And the two companies used to wash and cash through now no longer exist. All of that makes it very difficult for investigating authorities to have any hope of tracing the money back to its original source. 
the illegal activities of the criminal organization. This is so fascinating. I'm having a little bit of morning tea, so excuse my pauses. Authorities that investigate money laundering? Wow, how difficult. Many different legal authorities regularly investigate suspected money laundering activities. In the USA, that's the FBI and the IRS. They are the two primary agencies that handle money laundering investigations. Money laundering's become such a huge problem that international agencies are specifically created to combat it. The International Money Laundering Information Network is the United Nations-sponsored research center that was created to assist law enforcement agencies throughout the world in the identification and pursuit of money laundering operations. The Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering was created as a G7 initiative to develop more effective financial standards and anti-laundering legislation. Because money laundering is a key part of terrorist organizations that are usually funded through illegal enterprises, this Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering was also charged with directly fighting to cut off illegal cash flows to terrorists and terrorist groups. Both of these entities, the IMOLIN and the FATF, work in concert with Interpol, as well as with domestic police agencies in the G7 nations like the USA, Canada, the UK, France, Germany, Italy, and Japan to try to fend off all of this money laundering. So with the help of the International Money Laundering Information Network and the Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering, they're trying to get to the bottom of this. Very challenging circumstances but very important to understand exactly what's happening in auditing the global capital markets and where the money's going. We really are getting an education today on money laundering. Amazing. Let's go ahead and continue with our process of learning about money laundering and all of the different steps to make money laundering happen. And now that we've gotten a little bit more information about money laundering, looking at where it's happening all over the globe, because it's a two trillion to probably more problem. So I think it's important to look at some of the places that's really hurting us globally. And I would say I'm going to start in Africa. I think that Money laundering in Africa is tragic uh, with over 1 billion people in that continent of 55 countries. They need access to this money. But they're estimating that Africa is losing over $90 billion every year from money laundering. Stolen funds undermine public spending on health care, education, and infrastructure, according to a United Nations report. Africa is losing 3.7% of its GDP to illicit financial flows, according to an Amnesty International report that details hellish conditions also 
uh, for Ethiopian migrants stranded in Saudi Arabian prisons and all of the different problems of proxy wars brewing across the USA uh, in uh, the Eurasia area. And of course, the fighting between Armenia and Azerbaijan and the Caucasus. So all these things are tied together because there's always illegal money in the background. So an estimated $90 billion flows out of Africa each year through illegal and corrupt practices, according to a report released in 2020. This, was, this report was released on around October 1st, 2020 by the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, or UNCTAD. The money lost annually through illicit financial flows is equivalent to 3.7% of Africa's collective GDP and almost as much as the continent receives in development assistance and foreign direct investment annually. Illicit financial flows rob Africa and its people of their prospects, undermining transparency and accountability and eroding trust in African institutions, according to the UNCTAD Secretary General, Mukisha Kituyi. Illicit capital flows, money that is illegally generated, used, or transferred abroad, deprive countries of capital and tax revenues that could be invested by governments and other public spending. The UN report found that countries with high levels of illicit capital flight also had dr drastically reduced spending on healthcare and education. Women and girls are disproportionately affected by the stolen money as they are primary beneficiaries from such investment. If illicit financial flows out of Africa were curbed altogether, a highly unlikely prospect given the complexity of the problem, it could reduce by almost half the $200 billion annual funding gap required for African countries to meet their sustainable development goals, according to the United Nations. That is just astronomical, that they're missing $200 billion a year to try to meet the sustainable development goals of the United Nations that were established in the last two decades and a half to see by 2025 if they can reduce the poverty across Africa. And they lose almost half of the 200 billion that they need in corruption and money laundering and illicit funding. So tragic. Extractive industries such as gold, diamond, and platinum supply chains are particularly vulnerable to illicit finance. In 2015, they accounted for an estimated $40 billion in illegal outflows, according to the report. Tax evasion often motivates illicit capital flows. It's often enabled by tax havens in some of the world's wealthier countries. In 2014, Africa lost an estimated $9.6 billion to tax havens, or 2.5% of the continent's total tax revenue. Quote, in many ways, addressing illicit financial flows is a matter of ethics and civil society organizations whistleblowers and investigative journalists have played a critical role in revealing the magnitude of these flows and the mechanisms that support them in Africa and beyond, said Paul, unquote, said Paul Akiwumi, 
the UNTAD Director for Africa and Least Developed Countries. The report comes just after the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, BuzzFeed News, and 108 media organizations around the world published a mammoth investigation on global illicit finance based on thousands of leaked documents from the USA's Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. The 16-month investigation revealed that some of the world's biggest banks moved more than $2 trillion in payments that they believed to be suspicious over an 18-year period, enabling kleptocrats, crooked tycoons, and drug cartels to launder their cash and dodge the tax man. And, and we know what that leads to, less and less money for the people. It is so tragic, the outflows of money. And I remember tracking for Nigeria alone. They were losing hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, up to almost, you know, three, four hundred million dollars a year. It, it, it's just tragic. And I'm sure, and that was 20 years ago when I did that research. I'm sure it's tripled quadrupled. It is a real problem. So all we can do is push on a public policy level for the governments in all the countries of the world here. And that definitely is the case with the United Nations. They are intensifying the fight against corruption and money laundering. Uh, and, you know, they put out the report um, and they're constantly working on it. So I think it's very important that we document. And it is the same across so many countries. And we're looking at just in the case of Africa, but this is a challenge across all of the countries in the world. Because as we highlight in the beginning of the show, Afghanistan is the number one culprit. And then Myanmar and Haiti. So it is a problem that needs to be addressed. And the United Nations is intensifying the fight against corruption and money laundering. There is a Office of the Special Advisor on Africa that has a report that you can review on the United Nations site talking about it. Um, so we'll just take a pause and listen to some other thoughts on money laundering and the situation right now with the money laundering and what we can do about it.
fascinating. It is so powerful to do this research and take on auditing the global capital markets. What an educational show we're having today. And we can dive even deeper because there are so many interesting twists and turns of trying to understand what is going on. So for instance, if we look at what they've talked about today in terms of real estate, we went into real estate for this program several episodes back. It's one of the biggest contributors to global GDP. But what if there's nothing but real estate fraud going on? Real estate fraud is a money laundering challenge for all the financial institutions. For banks and other financial institutions, detecting money laundering through real estate fraud is a unique challenge because U.S. real estate agents and lawyers aren't required to have anti-money laundering initiatives, making it easier to launder money via all cash purchases of houses, condominiums, and other properties. Why? In the USA, real estate agents and lawyers aren't required to have any anti-money laundering initiatives. They don't have to conduct due diligence on transactions or report suspicious activities. At the same time, real estate buyers can be shell companies whose ownership is hard to ascertain. So, Financial institutions start the race with one hand tied behind their backs in a manner of speaking. Given the lack of clarity for some real estate purchases, it's vital for financial institutions to implement thorough anti-money laundering processes and procedures for real estate related transactions. But we know they don't. Certainly there's likely to be a limit to what you can find out about a real estate buyer. But the stronger the protocols, the less the chance of being impl implicated in a fraudulent transaction. So if you look at an article from Thomas Reuters that was published August 3rd, 2018, it talks about how real estate is a key money laundering vehicle. Why is it such a key money laundering vehicle? Why are there so many appealing factors to real estate? Number one, it's the ease of cash conversion. All cash deals for real estate aren't uncommon and can be done without involving many parties beyond an agent and a lawyer. Next, potential for appreciation. Buying a high-end condo in Manhattan or Miami, for example, means there's a good chance a fraudster could sell it for a profit later. There's also the potential of earning legitimate rental income via the property. And also the prestige, right? If you're an oligarch in Russia looking to move money out of the country, why not also be able to boast you have property in an exclusive market? Because it's also practical. You can stay in the place when you're visiting the area. Bam, hide the money there and live there when you need it. So it's a very cloudy environment. There have been prominent examples of real estate being used for money laundering and financial criminal or terrorist activity, such as the Iranian government via a shell corporation buying and managing a New York skyscraper and using the rent money gathered to fund terrorist operations. It's one reason why the European Union 
included a beneficial ownership disclosure requirement in its fourth anti-money laundering directive in 2017. But in the USA, although legislation has been proposed in Congress to require true beneficial ownership information, bills have gone nowhere. And since 2002, the US Department of the Treasury has exempted real estate agents from conducting due diligence and reporting suspicious transactions. Given the strength of the real estate lobby, few believe these exemptions will change anytime soon. Now that is so pathetic. Russ, Ross Delston, pardon me, Ross Delston, an independent Washington DC based attorney who was an anti-money laundering expert says, the obvious foreseeable consequence is that compared to other jurisdictions that have implemented these rules, the USA is a good place to do business for criminals. It's been a good place to be for years, but he argues it's even more attractive right now. Wow, even the recent application of geographic targeting orders, GTOs by the Treasury, Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, it has its limits. These geographic targeting order, orders require, among other things, certain US title insurance companies to report beneficial ownership information of legal entities, making all cash or, quote, non-mortgage, unquote, purchases of high value residential real estate in Manhattan and in Miami-Dade County, Florida. GTOs are, quote, temporary fixes that are mainly designed to get more information about real estate in major markets, Delston said. They're flawed because they only apply to title insurance companies. Again, exempting real estate agents and lawyers from obtaining beneficial owner information. And GTOs only apply to specific markets for a limited period of time. So if Miami date is under scrutiny, criminals are more likely to buy homes in other parts of Florida. So they just work around it. What can financial institutions really do? Real estate money laundering is a test for financial institutions' anti-money laundering procedures. But there are strategies to reduce the chances of being implicated in real estate-related money laundering. While you might be unable to look at every wire transfer, you can use a risk-based approach and look at the ones that you determine have the highest risk based on a set of criteria. Potential red flags include size of transaction, like if a real estate purchase is substantially higher or lower than the average market value of the property, that could indicate the transaction has other purposes than just acquiring a property. Location of the property, a real estate purchase in a particular geographic area known for a history of questionable activity is a red flag. These areas range from popular high appreciation markets like New York and London to areas covered by a financial CEN uh, GTO, or these would be the areas that the Treasury Department is monitoring these geographic zones. For example, Bexar County, Texas is considered to be a popular location for Mexican cartels to buy property. Bexar County, Texas. So they're monitoring it. The location of the buyer, if the buyer is a shell company based in a country with a history of money laundering activities, such as the British Virgin Islands or Mauritius, they should merit greater scrutiny. 
disparity between buyer, bank, and property location. A sign of possible fraud is when a company in one location sends a wire transfer from an institution in another. Higher risk location to buy a property in a third location. For example, if a customer is in an international company in Spain, sends a wire transfer from an account in the British Virgin Islands for a condo purchase in Manhattan, that should be a red flag. And that's why I'm looking at this research today and we are gonna know by the end of the show that it's more than $2 trillion. People are doing this all the time. I bet it's in three, four trillion, maybe even six. It's either double or triple this amount that they're estimating. Other factors are less clear cut. Type of property popular for money laundering activities will vary depending on the locations. Condos are more likely in New York, single family homes in Bexar County, Texas. And given how many hot real estate markets there are in this world, it's a challenge for banks to investigate each transaction as many real estate purchases will be legitimate investments. So they have to start scrutinizing. That's the key. They have to start scrutinizing these investments, but who's gonna do it? That's the question. Who is going to do it? And there just has been less and less pressure from the USA Congress. And I think that's something that we'll have to dive into. You know, they're probably, as you probably heard earlier, there's the money laundering through real estate. And most likely, there have been a number of uh, lobbyists who don't want that to be discovered. So now, if you look at just this past year, there are some new possible regulations. So maybe this will change. So this is published uh, on Thomson Reuters in uh, June 28, 2022. The real estate sector looks to be coming under increasing from government regulators and enforcement agencies for its compliance with anti-money laundering and reporting obligations. Recently proposed regulatory changes and legislation indicate that the USA is seeking to upgrade its money laundering regime and that the real estate sector in particular almost certainly needs to prepare for new requirements and reporting obligations under the Bank Secrecy Act. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, launched an advance notice of proposed rulemaking in December 2021 to solicit public comment on potential requirements under the BSA, which is what they were just saying, that's the Bank Secrecy Act, BSA, for certain individuals and entities involved in real estate transactions. Very good. Coupled with recently introduced legislation in the Senate, the kleptocrat liability for excessive property transactions in ownership, or klepto act for short. The developments indicate that the USA real estate industry and those involved in the sector should proactively reevaluate their risk appetites and update their compliance processes. The Kleptow Act, the bill on the Corporate Transparency Act, implemented in 2021, January, which requires private companies at their inception to disclose their beneficial owners to a national registry. Very good. So we're getting some progress. Money laundering through the USA real estate purchases by individuals and business entities alike continues to be a prime layering mechanism that facilitates concealment of illicit assets. 
For example, between 2015 and 2020, at least 2.3 billion was laundered through USA real estate. But that number is almost certainly much higher, according to a recent report from the Washington DC think tank, Global Financial Integrity, GFI. In April, FinCEN renewed its geographic targeting orders, the agency's response to significant money laundering risks in the real estate sector that since 2016 have required title insurance companies to identify the natural persons behind shell companies using real estate cash transactions. This 12th renewal of the GTO expands the requirements to additional jurisdictions in the USA to include parts of Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, and Maryland, as well as Hawaiian Islands and the city and county of Baltimore. The GTOs have proven a useful tool for law enforcement, giving agencies the ability to compare GTO-reported legal entities with suspicious activity reports, SSR, SARs, filed by banks and financial institutions. In its advisory to financial institutions and real estate firms and professionals in 2017, FinCEN noted that more than 30% of the real estate transactions reported under the GTOs involved a beneficial owner or purchaser representative that had been the subject of unrelated SARs filed by U.S. financial institutions. Although title agents and real estate professionals are not required to file SARs, the advisory emphasizes their importance in efforts to combat criminal activities, providing a possible additional justification to impose BSA reporting requirements on the real estate sector. Very good. The current GTOs, which must be renewed every six months, are limited to residential real estate and apply to only 13 jurisdictions in the USA, are only part of the battle against the use of the real estate sector to hide and launder assets. The proposed FinCEN regulations and possible additional legal measures pending in Congress will almost certainly help close the loopholes that allow malign actors to access and exploit the US financial system. Other additional measures include possible changes in FinCEN's ANPRM, including removing reporting thresholds, expanding reporting requirements to all cash transactions nationwide, and including commercial real estate and the reporting requirements. Approximately $463 billion in 2021 residential real estate transactions will likely proceed without any anti-money laundering reporting obligations, according to FinCEN, leaving a substantial portion of the real estate market unprotected from the risks posed by potential money launderers. To mitigate the problem, FinCEN could apply anti-money laundering reporting obligations to all segments of the real estate sector. That's what needs to happen. Further, the Financial Action Task Force, which sets global standards and recommendations for combating money laundering and terrorist financing, recommends that countries assess the risks of misuse of legal persons for money laundering or terrorist financing and take measures to prevent their misuse, ensuring that registries are up-to-date and accurate. This is a major development and we'll keep monitoring it. Regulatory challenges. The Tax Justice Network this year designated the USA as the world's most secretive jurisdiction, which will likely prompt Congress to boost FinCEN's resources to enhance the agency's ability to mandate additional transparency and reporting, provide funds for additional staff, as well as create and manage the CTA registry. Acting FinCEN Director Him Das recently testified before the House Committee on Financial Services that many of the agency's staffing requests remain unfunded, despite being mandated by the Anti-Money Laundering Act of 2020. 
including personnel needed to implement the beneficial ownership framework under the CTA, enforcement personnel, and others. Although new FinCEN regulations and resources almost certainly will help mitigate money laundering in real estate, the lack of infrastructure in the sector to handle new anti-money laundering requirements presents a challenge. Leading trade organizations, the American Land Title Association and the National Association of Realtors recently revealed that most of their thousands of members and member organizations would not have the investigative tools or resources to comply with AML, meaning anti-money laundering or CFT regulations under the BSA. So the BSA Secrecy Act. So ALTA members, which is the American Land Title Association members spend between $45 to $250 per transaction to research the beneficial owners in compliance with the current GTOs, a cost that is usually passed on to the customer, according to the group, which also noted almost two thirds of the title companies have five or fewer employees and 94% have fewer than 20 employees. So Alta stated that imposing these anti-money laundering requirements that are similar to financial institutions onto title companies would be unnecessarily costly and burdensome, but it has to be done, right? It has to be done. So interesting. This has been a fascinating discussion today. I hope you've enjoyed it. There will be more next week. This is Allison Johnson reporting from Tracy, California on auditing the global capital markets with Allison. Thank you for joining me. You can email me at allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N at 2414morgan.com or our website of www.2414mdinternational.com. And as I said in the beginning, I'm on all the social media platforms under Allison Johnson. So you can find me and we can continue the discussions there. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, tap TikTok, Snapchat, find Allison Johnson, and let's continue the dialogue. Look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks for joining Auditing the Global Capital Markets with Allison. Take care. Cheers.